Welcome to the Growing To Be Me podcast. I'm your host, Darlene, a certified coach and spiritual guide that is dedicated to help you light up your life. I am so excited to support you on your journey of expansion as you realize you get to have it all. So set aside those limitations and step through this portal of possibilities and into your new reality. Together, we will cover topics from confidence, self-love and courage to your higher self, business and so much more. Be warned. This podcast will lift your vibration. Hello and welcome back to the Growing To Be Me podcast. Today we have a very special guest called Dr. Sarah Coxon. I am so excited that she is on this episode, on this podcast, even because she is one of my most all-time favorite mentors. Um, She introduced me to so much in relation to self-development and spirituality back in 2020 um, during the pandemic when I was trying to dive deep into this work and I joined her Limitless Academy at the time. And yeah, I'm just really excited for you to hear a lot of her wisdom about Gaia, about what we can do um, and the systems that are in place in this world, about Dharma. We speak about so many different topics. This was a very intuitive episode, um, but there's so much wisdom that came out of it. So I encourage you to have an open mind and an open heart and to take everything in. And yeah, I just hope that you enjoy this episode. I really, really had a beautiful time recording it with Sarah. Um, She's one of the most incredibly honest people out there in the online space. And I really admire that about her. So yeah, (laughs) without further ado, hello and welcome Dr. Sarah Coxon onto the Growing To Be Me podcast. Hello. Hello, Darlene. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited um, to be speaking to you. Um, I I worked with you a few years ago in your Limitless Academy, and I think you were one of the first people that really opened my eyes to all of the possibilities out there, because at the time I was in a quite a little bit of a cage in a way. Um, So this feels really special to me to be able to to bring you in today um, to speak to me about your mission and everything that you do because even today I still look up to everything that you do because of the message that you share with everyone and the work that you do is so so important in my eyes. Oh my gosh thank you I'm gonna cry and also um, well the feeling is mutual and yeah you know it really it's really so important for me to hear things like that because still years into doing all of this work I still doubt myself I still have moments where I'm like what am I am I allowed to swear (laughs) yeah yeah. I was like I didn't ask you you know like fuck what am I doing so yeah just to hear that from someone like you is is really amazing so thank you oh you're so welcome I really really mean that as well um yeah just thank you so much for being here um I would love to kind of hear you speak a little bit about the work that you do at the moment the dharma work um because that's mm. a word that's a word that you've been using for quite a long time um so just for our listeners could you explain what it is and how did you how did you find it like how what drew you to dharma mm, that's such a a juicy question where do i begin 
So really, I mean, when I use the word dharma, and you can kind of interchange it with purpose, but I see dharma as the process of becoming who we are supposed to be in the world. So the way that I see it is that there is this seed inside of each and every single one of us, this blueprint of who we're supposed to be. And when we're kids, we we kind of know who we are, but then very, very quickly we get socialized. And so we get messages from our families, our friends, society, the media, religions, telling us about who we should be and what we should do. And this is particularly, um, this is, there is particular sets of conditioning for different genders as well. So I primarily work with people who identify as women and the, the set of conditioning that we are given about how a woman should behave and how a woman should speak and what a good woman is and what a good girl is, is particularly strong. So we have this true self and then we have this socialized self, this self that has been superimposed on us. And really the process of reclaiming our dharma or getting clear on our dharma is the process of deconditioning, of coming back to who we truly are so that we can contribute to the world, so that we can play the part that we're here to play. Um, and it's not always easy. Um, I liken dharma to, you know, imagine like you have a glass of water, right? And someone in front of you is really thirsty. Your dharma as that person with the glass of water is to offer that water to the thirsty person. And it's the same with our gifts and our talents and our knowledge and our experience. And our dharma is this culmination of all of it. So the way that I see dharma is it's a way that we can start to fully express ourselves in the world, but it's also a way that we can contribute because we are living in really, really fucking challenging times. And it is my belief that when more people, but more women in particular, because historically we've not been allowed to step into their heart-centered truth and are able to act from that place and do in the world what they know deep down they want to be doing, the world will be a better place. And that's where my work comes in. A lot of my work is, particularly around Dharma, is around the deconditioning piece. So it's really getting people um, familiar with these concepts to begin with, um, but then also doing the deconditioning piece. So that means learning how to deeply listen to our bodies, learning how to emotionally release and release things that are stuck. Um, unburdening some of the burden parts of ourselves, some of the conditioning that we have been uh, given that is not ours, and then starting to align with and get to know the, the deeper, wiser parts of ourselves that always know what the next step is. And Dharma can look very different for people. For some people, it's starting a nonprofit. For some people, it's like starting a project. For some people, it's just like really channeling everything into motherhood and for others it's starting a business so I also work with business owners as well to to help them thrive in business so that's it in a nutshell wow no that's it's such important work um because I do I mean probably every single woman that you've worked with um and people that I know say this as well, that there is so much, it's kind of like when you start opening your eyes to all of this work, it's very hard to unsee it. And it's very, yeah. you begin to see everything around you, the way that things are constructed in a way to keep you from seeing those things in that sense. 
which is oh, really yeah. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And we live in a society that is underpinned by uh, patriarchal conditioning, the, the elevation of masculine traits, energies, approaches, ways of doing things over things that are seen as typically more feminine. And so the elevation of those who identify as men above, you know, the elevation of them above, you know, women and, and other genders as well. So yeah, it's, um, you really see that a lot of the conditioning, a lot of the stuff that stops us from being truly ourselves in the world is systemic. And it's not just patriarchy, it's racism, it's ableism. Like this, there's, it's, it's a minefield when you really understand. And I kind of see, maybe it's not a real dichotomy, maybe it's not a real separation, but my, my way of conceptualizing this and understanding this is, there's the way that nature works. There's the way that we operate very naturally. And there's a way that nature operates. And then there's just society and the system that just, I mean, who knows what the fuck is going on there, but it's not working for us. So the way that I see it is that our personal reclamation as well is part of the collective reclamation. And I, I wish that in the personal development industry and in the online space, I wish there was more of a focus on the collective, actually. I kind of feel like the collective is like an afterthought and then it's like, oh, well, I'm just gonna focus on my individuality. And I think it's because we're quite individualistic as a society, but actually, you know, it's not just about us, this one tree. It's about the entire health of the ecosystem. That's why our personal reclamation is really important, but it doesn't stop there. Mm, wow. No, that's, that's so, um, that's so true. That's really, really true. I also see um, some of the work that you've been doing with Gaia. Could you talk a little mm. bit about that? Um, because it's something, I'm not very familiar with Gaia. I know a little bit about it, um, but I am, I would love to know more and learn more about it. Mm. What we can do in the coaching industry in terms of working with Gaia. This is I mean, this is a loaded question because I'm still really in the thick of mm. understanding what it is, what it is that I'm even suggesting here. So bear with me. Um, the way that I, I, I feel like I've had a massive wake up call in the past couple of years, which is like I was, you know, in my own little coaching bubble, priestesshood, dharma. Yeah, everything's great. You know, I have a thriving business. I'm working with clients. It's all amazing. And I pretty much, it wasn't that I was numb or not aware of social and environmental issues that were playing out, but I just, I guess it just hadn't really clicked yet. Do you know what I mean? It just, I just, like, I was aware, but I was like, oh, well, yeah, okay, environment is important, blah, blah, blah. And then something happened in the past couple of years, which I think it happened for a lot of us, where it was like, oh, shit, things are really bad environmentally. Like, we have, I think I read somewhere, I don't, I haven't verified this, but I think, you know, up to 200 species a day are becoming endangered or extinct. We have entire ecosystems that are being wiped out. And so I started going down the rabbit hole of, of researching and understanding, like, what is it that we're doing to our planet? And I recognized that, you know, this patriarchal, white supremacist, um, toxic capitalist system is really the encapsulation of a dominator culture, where 
we and we all have this dominator mindset. So, you know, myself included, guilty, where we see like humans as the dominant elevated species. Like we're so human centric. Everything is about hu- like humankind. And then fauna, flora, ecosystems, our mother earth is like a bio, like is secondary. And we see her as a bunch of resources to extract from. So we have this extractive, exploitative mindset. And we've, we've had it for, for thousands of years since the agricultural um, revolution. And so I was like, wow, we're really disconnected from our mother. And I started to recognize like only a species that was really disconnected from their home, really disconnected from their mother could do this to their mother. And I started to recognize that a lot of my own business practices and personal goals and even like collective goals were not factor necessarily factoring in our planet, like ecosystems, the environment, they're very human-centered and human-centric. So a lot of the work that I'm now exploring is around how can we bring the consideration of Gaia, Mother Earth, into everything that we do from our business practices and even the aspirations that we have to also like how we're living day to day. And I know that this is an absolute minefield because it's, I mean, there are so many different ways in which you can approach it you can approach it from well it's all systems so we have to you know work at governmental systems level in order to create change yes agreed but then there's also the the well actually it's all individuals it's all consumers so we have to like make every single decision that we make absolutely perfect um, in order to not perpetuate harm and I disagree with that because I think we can't be like we are complicit in the system And I I mean, just by even having this conversation with the electricity that we're using and the the phones and the laptops that have been created, we are complicit in a system like there is harm linked somewhere to to what we're being able to utilize now. So I think that the work of reclaiming Gaia is about, first of all, really deeply connecting to Mother Earth. Like not just in a, oh, I went for a walk in a field and I feel connected to nature, but really understanding her. And I think part of that needs to be through presence and awareness and ritual. I think part of it also needs to be through um, learning about deep ecology. So last year I went and did my permaculture design certification um, in this amazing place called Terra Alta and just north of Lisbon. And it was, it was amazing. Like, go there guys it's incredible um and through learning the language of Gaia through learning about deep ecology like all these things like the way that it all works like soil regeneration my eyes were opened and I was like wow I feel I feel an even deeper understanding of our planet and its ecosystems and therefore I feel more connected so I think there needs to be that element of like feeling connected and then learning about that you know that soil isn't dead it's alive you know that's just one example but then I think there also needs to be um you know this is quite challenging but (laughs) starting to conceptualize frameworks that really allow us to like I said take into consideration 
our planets mm. with all of our pursuits because you know like there's a lot of rhetoric around manifestation as an example right like oh manifest your dreams and that's very very sexy it's like you know you have I'm, I'm really sorry to call her out but I'm gonna do it anyway manifestation babe where it's all like private jets and shit like that when we look through a framework and a lens of um, taking into consideration Gaia, actually that kind of narrative and those aspirations are actually highly unethical because if everyone did that, then we would need three or four planets over in terms of resources. So it's about, about checking, checking our aspirations, um, not limit, recognizing that somehow spirituality has become conflated with materialism and that's a real problem as well mm. um and yeah just making sure that we are probably saying think definitely thinking and then hopefully saying the things that maybe aren't popular because mm. they go against a lot of what is mainstream i would be really curious to know your thoughts about this because i'm still really grappling with these ideas so yeah i'd love to know what 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 kind of you make of it and and how you see it yeah no I agree with everything that you said um I think I feel like it's also about stripping back to simplicity a little bit yes. more because we are so overwhelmed by so much information all the time that it's 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 more difficult to put the phone down than picking it up it's mm. like it's this conflict constant conflict where we're taking in so much information that we end up not even thinking for ourselves and then even disconnecting from Gaia, from the earth. Um, like I personally have started to have phone free Sundays where I literally just don't touch my phone anymore because it's just so overwhelming and you're constantly, constantly feeding into different things. You're being sold things all the time. Now you're constantly in that material world in that sense, <clears throat> excuse me. But also when you said like the spirituality that feeds into that, um, I think there have a lot ever since. I mean, I've only been on this platform for, I think, two coming up to three years now. And it's changed so much, even just in the mm. last two years. I feel like so many people have taken, have moved into the spiritual realm, but then really kind of dismissing the message and really feeding into the materialism but there is also people who who send out the messages that other people want to hear but don't necessarily practice themselves but then they mm. benefit off of doing those things uh which is kind of like a really big loophole in the spiritual in the coaching industry um, yeah. that is going on at the moment which kind of leads back to what you were saying that it doesn't really benefit like we're not looking out for what we are doing the footprints that we're leaving um because it is um it is such a big topic like I have been um me and my partner are very passionate passionate about sustainability as well and supporting Gaia and even just here in the UK seeing everything wrapped up and and plastic everything it's just so it's just such a bizarre world that we live in where everything is so within reach but in such a weird way, in a sense, I don't know how to describe if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, it's too, it's kind of, yeah, it's too much. Like where, where was this a hundred years ago? Like what were we doing a hundred years ago? 
well, industrialization and <laughs> profits. And yeah, I mean, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think that, I mean, I was back in the UK for the first time in two years back in November and I saw a real difference. I'm not saying here in Portugal is, is where I live at the moment, um, is perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But I also noticed that in the UK, I was like, whoa, everything is wrapped mm -hmm. in plastic. Yeah. Gross. Yep. And, you know, at the same time, I think one of the things that maybe puts people off even having this conversation is uh, the nuance and the complexity and the complicity. The fact that like, actually, if we have this conversation, like I said before, like we are complicit within this. I still recycle, but you know, it's, it's dubious about where that recycling material actually goes and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You know, I still, um, I still will fly back to the UK to see my friends and family. You know, it's still like, I, st I, still, I still own a business and therefore I have to be in the monetary system, you know, and therefore I have to pay taxes and some of those taxes will go towards wars and, and things that I don't agree with. And they will also go towards things that I think are important. So, so I think one of the reasons why people really struggle to have this conversation is because it's hard mm -hmm. to know that you like we want to be the good guys don't we yeah I mean we like we love this story of being the good guys you know yeah. and we want to be like ethically pure but you can't be ethically pure in an impure system and so you know I think that's why people get really pissed off with like staunch vegans or like staunch like sustainability nerds and stuff is because it just makes people feel bad and I think that making people feel bad is not necessarily what will motivate people to make a change. Um, mm -hmm. I think also people don't like to speak in nuance and complexity. If the pandemic and the events that surrounded that showed us anything yeah. with the polarization is that people want the right answer. So they want to be spoon fed something like this is the right answer. That's why, you know, since COP26, all the narrative was, and it no longer is apparently, because we're talking about other things in the media, but um, rightly or wrongly, I, I have no opinion, but, um, you know, like now it's, it's all about carbon emissions and it's like reducing carbon footprint. And this is such a short-sighted mm -hmm. way because you're making carbon, which is uh, the building block of life. You're making this the enemy. Mm -hmm. rather than focusing on a on the complexity of the situation which is that it's not just um the burning of fossil fuels it's the way we farm it's loads of different things that mm -hmm. you know we need to be looking at and it, this is so typical of, of us human beings we want to find the one thing and then focus on that yeah so I think that people maybe some people literally don't realize how grave the situation is you know I see some business coaches talking about how they're building generational wealth and it drives me crazy because I'm like your generational wealth is going to mean absolutely fuck all when we don't when the health of the planet like doesn't sustain life mm -hmm. um which again is not very <laughs> doesn't make me the people don't like me when I say that but it's true and I'm not saying it's your fault per se it's not any of our like individual faults it's not an individual attack but it's like you know we're we're in the transformation business we should be really caring about people not just um not just 
like re-ingraining the tropes of um, toxic capitalist rhetoric, mm-hmm. or at least that's how I see it. So yeah, I think it's very it's very difficult to have these conversations, and um, I don't I don't pretend to have any of the answers. These are just things that I'm learning about, thinking through, and wondering. Okay, well, how can I how can I apply some of what I'm learning to what I'm doing to minimize harm, not get rid of it? Mm-hmm. completely because being a, a living human being we're just you know we are creating harm yeah. sorry <laughs> no it's it's so true I think um I think we need to trigger people to start thinking about this um mm. I used to be the one who used to sit in the back and never say anything um because I've been vegan for seven years now mm. and I would never really say unless I was asked, I would never really speak about it. Um, I was very held back. And I think especially as um, I'm not saying specifically about veganism, but regarding so many interpersonal systemic issues, it is our job as leaders to keep speaking up about them and keep bringing them to light. And when people are triggered and they're like, well, I need to unfollow this person. I don't agree with this. Or they send, I don't know, an evil eye or they decide to um, use that anger towards leaving a comment. That is, that says so much more about what they have to deal with and need to think about than anything that we are saying as human beings. Because like you Mm -hmm. said, these conversations need to happen. These conversations need to begin opening up. Yes. Oh, I love that. I mean, isn't it so funny that still there's part of us that's like, oh no, people have unfollowed me. Like, even mm-hmm. though we're like rationally, it's okay. People have free will. Like there's this, you know, more, let's say, I don't want to say primitive, but um, pre-evolved part of us that's like, oh, social rejection. Mm-hmm. I remember last year when I went, I put it off for ages, but I got, I ended up getting um, vaccinated against COVID. And I remember like, feeling like it was going to be a growth edge to just put it on my stories so I did because I was like oh fuck it and I got I got a few angry messages from people really and I am now unfollowing you and I was like oh my goodness me I'm not going around telling you what you should be doing with your body and um it was it was really eye-opening and I was like whoa like we are so so polarized and I I think that partially I didn't realize we were going to go down this track in this conversation. <laughs> Let's go there. I've, I think that partially as well, it's um, it, it, it's kind of how, like you were saying before, like this consumptive model of um, taking in information. And I think the media is like um, all media, whether it's like mainstream, anti-mainstream, whatever, there's no discussion. It's like, here are, here's the narrative according to us, whether you're pro something, anti something, and there's no space for like debate mm. and discussion and like being able to really like speak to different experts with different opinions and look at the nuance and look at the complexity. So I think that, yeah, like not having those spaces is problematic and something that um, I myself in, in the way that I now deliver mentoring and teaching and stuff I've, I'm really acutely aware of creating more spaces where there's way more discussion mm-hmm. and less like this is Sarah this is what you should do this is the world according to me because you know what like what the fuck do I know <laughs> really about anything mm-hmm. um 
And again, you're like, you're not supposed to market yourself that way as a, a coach or a space holder. We're supposed to have all the answers because we were taught that leadership was about having the answers. And then there were the people underneath you. And what I'm really interested in is egalitarian leadership, this leadership that liberates and, and, uh, yeah, but anyway, that's a complete tangent. Sorry. <laughs> no, I completely agree with that. I feel like we create a ripple effect every time. Um, and it's, we we learn from each other. That's the best way mm. we can learn. Um, I watched this documentary a few years ago called Social Dilemma. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, that yes. was frightening. <laughs> that, was, that was such a big insight um, to how social media works. And it was such a big eye-opener because... For example, when they were voting in the UK, I was like, yeah, you know, my guy's going to win. Like, we're we're all good. Uh, Because that's all the adverts that I kept seeing. Everyone who was voting for that person was showing up on my feed. So I was like, oh, Joe. (laughs) No, no, it wasn't. wasn't, I'm joking. (laughs) Oh, God, no. I was so sad that that day. Um, Uh, Yeah. (laughs) yeah no but I I didn't realize that that's why I would only see the information that I wanted to see that it actually gets filtered and that's also one of the reasons that I personally on Instagram um kind of do the same thing as you I unfollowed everyone so that I have control over the people that I want to see even if I don't agree with their opinions I am able to just go onto their profile and see but I'm not selectively bombarded with information that this computer selects for me, um, which I think is, it's so important to take back control over this sort, this sort of social dilemma, I suppose. Yeah, I love that. When I started doing that, I felt a, a whole new kind of level of freedom. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, like also, I think it's really important if you are in the spiritual, in, on your spiritual journey, because I'm assuming that a lot of your listeners are, mm-hmm. One of the things that has really helped me to gain a, a broader perspective and a lot of a lot more depth actually is to stop reading just spiritual books and stop listening to just spiritual podcasts and instead like reading books about the economy or reading books about social issues or deep ecology. And that's really allowed me to to broaden my my understanding of the world because I think sometimes we can get stuck in our own echo chamber not just with social media but in just in terms of the information that we consume Mm -hmm. and um yeah I think that that's also really enriched the way that I work with clients now like my work is so much more culturally informed than it was even when when you were working with me I feel like yeah, I feel like there were a few, quite a few missing pieces back then. Doesn't mean that what I what we were doing wasn't powerful, important, but um, yeah, there were just missing pieces. So yeah, like educate yourself and read different perspectives. And yeah, I would never have thought a few years ago that I'd be reading books about you know alternative economic models, but now it's like my understanding of why capitalism doesn't work, and because it's based on. Uh, a fundamentally flawed economic model that presumes there are infinite resources when there aren't, you know, it's like understanding that allows me to be a better coach and, you know, understanding racial and systemic issues as well allows me to recognize that if I have someone in front of me that doesn't have the same background as me, then I need to be more culturally responsive. You know, this is, 
yeah, this is important work. Um, I feel like I digressed again. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so today I'm just sharing all of Sarah's thoughts in her head. There we go. <laughs> I did say this was intuitive, so you know. <laughs> no, thank you so much for sharing. Um, so I just wanted to ask you, um, what kind of what has it been like growing to be Dr. Sarah Coxon? And I know this is a continuous mm. journey because we're always students of life. Um, but what what has your journey been like so far? Wow, that's I mean, how long have you got? I will get gi- I will give a brief um, abridged of version. So, yeah, basically, I was a good girl academic for. Well, actually, you know, before then I was like a rebel punk. I kind of. Um, I was really anti-establishment, anti-authority. I had like a shaved undercut, like Wardot Martins and just basically was like, yeah, fuck the government. But I just didn't understand why. So of course, like my parents were like, oh my God, you know, and didn't take me seriously. I don't think I took myself seriously anyway. And then I, something happened where I was like, okay, well, I'm really interested in archaeology. So I'm going to go and study archaeology. And I went to university and I did that for 10 years, master's, PhD. Um, so I was a good girl academic and I, I really enjoyed the research. I just didn't like the institution. I was, again, I, like institutions and establishments and hierarchies, like I'm not a fan. So I left and then was like, shit, what do I do? But during my PhD, I'd also been training. I'd been training to be a yoga teacher and that was something that I kind of kept a little bit quiet from people because like you can either be a serious academic or a yoga teacher. You can't be both, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I just moved to the Philippines and started teaching yoga and everyone's like, what? Yep. This is what I'm doing. And it was during that time because I wasn't teaching yoga and I had a, a really amazing teacher, Steve Harrison from the yoga sanctuary in Southampton really fantastic teacher who really um, distilled within me the essence of what yoga is, which is not about perfecting your downward dog or being able to whip yourself up into a handstand in front of a sunset and whack it on Instagram. It's not about that. And and even if I tried to do that, I would miserably fail. Um, It's really that, I mean, it's the first stepping stone of Dharma, which is like coming back to who you really are. So I started to recognize that I had a real talent for holding space for people. It wasn't just like bringing people through a workout. It's really taking people on a physical and emotional and mental journey to come back to themselves and to radically accept themselves. And so that then morphed into coaching. And I've been now coaching for five years um, and building a business has been the most fulfilling experience of my life and the most uh I was gonna say terrifying challenging like triggering really really triggering I would love to tell you that now everything is rosy and I never get triggered and I never doubt myself and it's all just fantastic and that would be a lie because it's not like the business is thriving I have amazing clients I really believe in the work that I do my clients I would say most of them do as well I'm sure not everyone is 100% happy but there's still these, even on that, you know, I feel like I really am living my, my dharma and my dharma is evolving. And I'm in this weird liminal space now where I'm like, oh, it's like 
what was working before doesn't feel like it fully fits now, but I also don't know what I'm growing into. Um, so there's definitely a new chapter on the horizon. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, there's that process of deconditioning. But also, I think one of the things that I do find really, really challenging about being an online business owner is the noisiness of the online space and having to really shut myself off from it. But I'm not really shut off from it because I still need to know what's going on in the market. So, yeah, to answer your question, what has growing into becoming me been like? Um, One hell of a fucking journey, actually. (laughs) And um, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't um, change it for the for the world. You know, it's it's so beautiful to be able to express who you are in the world, and it's even more of a privilege to be able to get paid to do that. Um, but yeah, I wonder what my answer to that question would be in five years' time or ten years' time. I I don't know. So yeah. Wow. No, I definitely think that um, which is the hard path. <laughs> So with that hard path comes a lot of that um, because, yeah, it goes about everything that we've been taught. So, um, oh, yes. Yeah. But <laughs> doing it just shows other people that it's possible and that they can turn off their autopilot and do this kind of work. So, yeah. And- yeah. I think it's necessary as well. I think every, sing- every single one of us has like a priestess inside of us and we um, we can express this in different ways. You know, some of us is our activism, some of us is space holding, some of us is creating art and, this, you know, or writing a book, which I did last year. And I think that, yeah, there's so many different ways of, of expressing it, but we are channels to the divine. And I do know that consciousness is elevating itself. And, and we are here to play that, that role, that part. It doesn't meet doesn't necessarily mean that there might there is a happy ending for our species but consciousness continues you know that's that's the way I see it and um you know I think the best the best antidote and the the best activism is really to kind of reclaim your joy Mm -hmm. and um recognize where you have been where you're operating from should once you start to see that, then you start to claw back some freedom for yourself. It's funny that you say that because that's one of the main things that has stuck with me since the Limitless Academy is if you hear should, then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't use Stop the word should. Like... on yourself. <laughs> yeah, because it's it, it all like should always automatically speaks to a program. Mm-hmm. It's like programming. If you should do anything it's very often not related to what you actually want to do. Mm-hmm. So very often do the opposite of what you think you should do and you'll find freedom. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's really fun. It's just really funny that you say that because sometimes I find myself in the morning being like, I should do these three things. And then I'm like, no, no, we don't do shoulds. We don't do shoulds. <laughs> and then I'm just, I just go the other way and I'm like, no, I'm going to do this instead um that, oh, that I love that <laughs> oh I love that that's life-changing yeah no I think my partner Mauro would tell you that he wishes I would should more but I'm, I just don't I'm like no <laughs> I mean actually sometimes I should all over him but that's fine that's different you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know he you should do this he's like uh <laughs> oh 
So what what inspired you to? I know you've written The Way of the Priestess quite some time ago. Um, but what inspired you to write it? Oh, that's a very good question. What inspired me to write it? So I always knew I wanted to write a book. And I'd had a meeting with a publisher a couple a couple of years before, actually. And like the book was going to be about women's prosperity. And oh, it was just like it just wasn't working. And I was like, mm, no. And then the idea for the book really, well, the, the idea for priestesshood as a concept has been with me for a good few years. Um, it was Marianne Williamson. I was watching one of her talks back in 2015 when this word priestess and the way she was talking about priestess was like really ringing true for me. And that was just rattling in the back of, of my brain. And then it really dropped in a few years ago when I was walking my dog because all my best ideas um, really drop in when I don't try and force them. And I don't even know when the idea of like, this is what the book needs to be about, but it was just, it was just clear as anything. So when I started writing it, it was during the first, during the first lockdown. So I know a lot of people started either baking sourdough or writing books um, or making babies. A lot of friends have done that. So I made a book. Um, and it just, it just really, really flowed through. It just really, really flowed through. And, you know, it's, it's actually quite weird because now, like just over a year after publishing, it's starting to really get traction and, um, which is terrifying because I know that there are things that I would add now. I know that there are things I would take out. I know there are things that I would expand upon. And also like when, when, a, when, more people start reading it and finding it on Amazon. I think it's between 50 and 100 people a month at the moment are buying it, which is like, wow. what? What the hell is going on? It means that, you know, I had, um, I had basically five-star ratings for the entire year and then suddenly the ratings have started going down because more people are reading it and that's mm -hmm. what happens. And someone had given it a two-star review and I was like, what the fuck? Like, I was like, oh my God, I need to take it down. Um, so yeah, there's the process of writing the book and then there's the process of like letting it do the work it's supposed to do in the world. And, you know, I'm focusing on the like one or two two-star reviews, but the, the amount of messages that I've had from people who have just been like, oh my gosh, that really activated me. This has changed my life. And and then there are reactions that are somewhere in the middle of like, yes, that was nice, you know? So, um, but yeah, I guess the point I'm trying to make for your listeners is how your work is received is not your responsibility, actually. Your responsibility is just to allow whatever needs to flow through you to flow through you and um, just have a really good support network for if it isn't received well. I mean, you know, I was calling my best friend and ranting down the phone at her about this two-star review and she's like oh get over it you know but still so yeah mm. I again I went off on a tangent but um hopefully that was helpful mm. yeah one one thing that I I can't remember who said this um but that really stuck with me was you are not your work you are not mm -hmm. like the the because I struggled with this for a very long time and I'm sure there's so many other coaches out there who struggle with it who struggle to see their business separate from themselves because yeah. they obviously represent it so it's very easy to get attached to um online comments about you know the opinions that we have um so yes. yeah. yeah yeah and that's why 
the archetype and the energy of the priestess is so powerful because she's a channel. So the work comes through her, but it's not from her. And that's kind of how I see, especially with the book, you know, sometimes I, I look at the book, I read and I'm like, did I write that? Like, oh, that sounds quite good. You know, like, <laughs> wow, yeah. wow, this, this, oh, she's good. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not easy though to, to create that gap. It's really not easy to create that gap. And, and um, I, every day I feel, I don't know if every day, but consistently mm. I will feel triggered by mm. things. And it's, I think that's, that's the, where the emotional resilience and emotional intelligence piece comes in as well as like really another key piece of living your dharma. It's not just like discovering your dharma or having a sense of it, but also living it. And we have to learn how to regulate our emotions and, and feel our emotions and then let them through. Otherwise we just stay under the covers because the, the world feels like a big scary place and it feels threatening for people to, to disagree with what's coming through us feels really, really threatening, especially the stuff that really matters, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But we, we find our people and, um, you know, we give ourselves lots of, of time to watch Netflix and eat ice cream. Do you know what I learned the other day? This makes me feel a lot better. Is that if you watch Netflix shows where, you know, there's like, a nice ending after each show and everything is kind of like, you know, light and your, all the loose ends are tied. It's actually really healing for your nervous system Mm -hmm. because like there's a resolution. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Oh my God, there I was thinking that I was just this lazy slob, like watching endless reruns of Outlander, but actually I was just (laughs) regulating my nervous system. Well now it's all good. (laughs) So permission slip. Yes. Oh yes. No, I love watching comedies because that's that's what they do for me as well. Um, so I can I can really see that. Um, I had a question, but or I had something to say, but I can't remember. So um, I was going to ask you, what is next for Dr. Sarah Coxon? What are you, what are you going to do next? Oh, well, something very exciting is that I'm actually getting finally getting married uh, in October. We had our wedding postponed, so. Um, yeah, when people ask me, like, what's what's your focus for this year? I'm like, actually, it's not business or Dharma related. Well, maybe this is my Dharma, but yeah, but it's to, to actually just get married and have um, a fun wedding. We're planning like a two day festival, like in an eco boutique. So that's going to be fun. So that's the first thing that springs to mind. Um, Second thing that springs to mind is there is a new book that is kind of percolating at the moment, but this one is a stubborn one. It is not ready. I know that it's going to be speaking a lot about the concepts that we've been speaking about, um, but really through the lens of like what is collective abundance and how do we actually um, create it? So (laughs) abundance through the lens of collectivism, bringing in like, you know, the wisdom of indigenous people and permaculture and stuff like that I have no idea when that will be written because the it's not ready so mm. that's that's next some somewhere along the line mm. um and then also yeah focusing on this new a new project called reclaiming Gaia retreats um 
still very much in its infancy stages. I'm still not sure about the retreats idea because it's quite a consumptive, like, you know, we provide a space and then you guys come and consume. And I'm feeling more into like a co-created communal experience where we come together for a week or two a year and, um, yeah, connect to Gaia and each other that maybe retreats isn't the word so I'm still very much like in the the process of of really thinking through new concepts and it hurts my brain yeah. and in terms in terms of um Dr Sarah Coxon as a business just continuing to to offer the same programs and care and mentoring that I have been and just going even deeper with clients and refining them even more so yeah that's it what about you what's next for you Honestly, right now, everything's kind of on hold. Um, I can't really make any long-term plans. I'm just kind of going with the flow just because um, we're currently waiting whether my partner can actually stay in the country. Um, oh, wow. So he's got another month. So we're kind of just, I'm kind of just sitting here trusting it all. I'm just kind of leaning back, which sometimes it's hard because it goes against everything <laughs> that I have been taught. Um, but I'm doing a yeah. lot of subconscious reprogramming um work at the moment um I qualified as a hypnotist recently as well amazing there's just been a lot shifting so I'm just still taking a lot of it in um but yeah who knows I'm kind of just every there's so many doors open right now but I just there's not it's not the time yet to walk through them so yeah um I'm kind of at that awkward kind of waiting room stage just kind of hanging out chilling um appreciating things and then we'll see where it goes Mm, that's so beautiful like I I also recognize that within myself of being in this liminal space and it's quite uncomfortable but you can't force anything yeah it's that it's a constant fight of like what you've been taught of taking control wanting to know the outcome your brain is like looking for that one solution of if I crack this code everything will be okay but then leaning back and being like no we're chilling we're just this is all we can do um, so it's very it's very bizarre to be in the space and experience that because I have always been a very controlling kind of person needing to know everything so yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> my dog just woke up oh my gosh your dog's like yeah 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 I agree <laughs> yeah I really I really feel that and I really understand that as well um the control thing is um yes yeah, still something that I'm very much um dancing with shall we say (laughs) no that's wonderful um I think that is all the questions that I have for you today is there anything that comes up for you that you would like to share with the listeners that is coming up for you right now just that if you've enjoyed this conversation you know feel free to reach out to me um I am on Instagram most days probably not the weekend but yeah feel free I know it's sometimes it feels like oh my god I could never reach out to a stranger on the internet particularly someone who's got a doctor in front of their name but um do feel free to to send me a message and and send me a dm and just yeah let me know that you've listened to the podcast let me know what resonated with you and um I guess final words of wisdom oh do I have any words of wisdom um just that you get to trust the unfolding of your life and get to trust the timing of your life as well. And um, everything is 
everything is bringing you exactly to where you need to be. And uh, yeah, like we were talking about, you don't need to force anything. Like it's really, there is some kind of incredible divine plan. I don't really understand it. And there is this natural intelligence that flows through all of us that just really does know what it's doing. So we do get to trust that. And we can recognize that, you know, systems are shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. No, I, I actually just had this thought because I wish I wish we would be taught this because um, kind of coming back to what you said earlier about our individuality is that we are from the moment we're born, we're put into these systems in school where even if you're in art class, that you're graded on your art project. How can you mm-hmm. grade someone's individual perception of art? Like, how can you grade that? Like, I, I, I used to go crazy in school because for the longest time, for 12 years of school, I thought I just couldn't memorize things, that I was stupid, that I couldn't do school until I was actually placed in a course that was hands-on and creative where I realized, no, actually, I just wasn't given, I just didn't have yeah. the room. There was no room for people like me who have a different view of the world. Like, how crazy mm. is that? That the, There's so many creators out there that have been placed into a box that don't probably don't aren't even aware that they're able to step outside of it. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I think that um, some people thrive in those kind of environments. Um, luckily, there are new um yeah, ways of educating children that are that are kind of becoming more and more common, particularly where I where I live as well. There's a lot of Steiner-based and Waldorf-based uh, schools, which is good because um, yeah, you know, we're I wish I'd had a slightly different childhood. And we turned out all right. It's fine, yeah. you know, <laughs> like it's fine. We turned out all right. Um but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I think that when we recognize that it's not about like, oh, blaming and all of that stuff. Yeah. Cause I think we can go really into victim mode when we really understand systemic stuff. But it's about going, oh, do you know what? I felt this way over, I've, I've experienced this and it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. And that is the road to radical self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. Taking your power back. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm yes amen well Well, thank you so so much um for speaking with me today for sharing your beautiful message um it's really inspiring go follow go follow dr sarah coxon because um you will probably get triggered but in the best way (laughs) yeah i'm I'm just here to make you feel really bad no (laughs) no I'm, I'm here to help you grow no this has been this has been so much fun um I've had a lot of fun and uh yeah you're very yeah you're very easy to talk to and I'm really excited to listen back to this yes oh, well thank you so much Sarah